Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. From Fox 4, Kansas City. This is the Crazeology Podcast. The first band I ever formed was when I was 16 years old. And this band was terrible. We called ourselves Walking on Rooftops, and we literally were just three guitars and a bass. We even had a t-shirt with a picture of cheese that said, We're not cheesy. No drummer, maybe one original song. We had no idea what we were doing besides telling people we were in a band. But we did have that t-shirt. I think we played a total of four shows before one of our guitar players moved off to college. But it still felt like we were doing something, going somewhere. It was a start. It wasn't until much later that I realized it wasn't anything special. But I was 16. We played four whole shows. And I only tell you this story because today's episode is with the band Yes You Are. Not only is the band's music much better than anything I've ever created... One of the people I'm talking to helped create a band more than 10 years ago that was wildly popular. More on that in a bit. But she and her husband started another band whose videos and music have thousands of views and likes. And their first full-length album is just a month old. Today I'm talking with Kiana Allerid and Jared White. But before we get to our interview, let's check out You're the One off Yes You Are's prequel album, Here's to the Great Unknowns. Patience in the world are what you sin. I locked the world up, but I taught it how to spin and statue spin about the stones and work for me. I built the cage, so now let's see if you can sing. You don't deserve it, but you're the one I gave it to, and you. You don't deserve it, but you're the one I 
first thing I wanted to ask you guys is band name is Yes You Are. Mm-hmm. So where, what's the origin behind the actual band name? That was a lyric in one of our first songs. Uh, just the song ended with us saying, Yes You Are, repeatedly. And somehow it just wound up on a list of probably 70 band names. And uh, at the end of the day, we just, we had a show booked and we didn't have a name. So we uh, threw it to our youngest member who at the time was like 20. He's pretty hip. And he (laughs) asked all his friends and they all agreed that was the coolest one. So (laughs) you guys were writing as a duo then before you actually had the band all together. Exactly. We had written about 20 songs, I think, before we ever even had another member come into the picture. So, yeah. So let's <laughs> see. Why, why bring in more people then? If, if why not just keep it as like a duo and then the other people are just hired well, out musicians? <laughs> Getting too real. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just no, wanted to play, you know? I don't know. They're, they're our friends. And I don't know. We want to, uh, we want to always be known as Yes You Are our duo or even just Kiana as an artist or a band. It's a kind of like yeah, entity is not specific. It's just kind of we're the writers and you know, the owners of the, the band and um, kind of whatever iteration that turns up as is kind of it's news to us every time, you know, so today we're two people and it's always going to be us too. So a lot of times I'm the, you know, kind of the front person of the band. So a lot of people think it's just me, but it's like, that's not true, but also it's not really worth explaining to everybody all the time either so it's like if they think it's me i'm yes you are that's fine if it's both of us or if it's a band that's fine too what are your guys band have your bandsmates ever talked about this with you before um no not really i mean as it as it develops everyone kind of is just gets into their role as the more it goes on you know um so it is interesting because it's when two people write and you've written so much work and then the other members kind of come in and learn, you would think of that as like a hired situation. But it's like we didn't want that. We wanted to have a band. You know, we wanted, you know, we look to the Rolling Stones or something like that as like as just a cool ideal to be, you know, a band of people who like all contribute. But yeah, the Stones you know. are who we're after. For sure. <laughs> So you guys just mentioned Stones, and I've heard you in other interviews mention Stones before. Oh. Is that like a big influence for you guys? I would say so. Yeah. I mean, there's still – here's the thing. Like, I don't – I don't know how to put this nicely, but – like, I love Kurt Cobain, but, you know, I, I don't think of him as somebody whose steps I want to follow in necessarily. Mm. Certainly, you know, I want the longevity of a career and of a life. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be doing this – until we're like they are they're like 70 years old on stage they have not slowed down you know so we look to people like the stones or bob dylan who are still doing that and and they made it somehow so you want to you want to look to them for advice and say like "Hmm, what did they do like how did they how did they keep that going i guess i was also curious how come you guys chose pop where you use you're you're using a lot of synths you're using a lot of electronic why not just go with a more broken down sound or using more um, acoustic instruments in in your recordings that's a Great question. You're touching on all the things that uh, keep me up at night. <laughs> Reluctantly, good. I will say we are pop. But um, it's uh, it's just how it happened. With you know, when you work with producers, um, you, you got to let them do what they do. You can't try to change them or anything. You just got to let them go where they're going to go with it. And 
and we're, you know, we're not 100% thrilled with how our sound has kind of come out so far, but it's like, we also just like our songs and we actually, most all of our songs could probably be, be produced in any way. It could be country songs. It could be pop songs. It could be straightforward rock songs. And, you know, like you said in the beginning, it was just us two writing and neither of us are producers. We're, we're getting more involved in that side of it as we mm -hmm. learn. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we had to work with who we knew and who was close or who we had relationships with. And it turned out all those people kind of fit that genre. And like he said, you can't, you know, you, you can't change who they are either. So you have to collaborate. And, you know, we got to a place where we were all happy. We thought we could do as much as we could with, with those people. And that's just how they turned out. And it's like a bloom where you're planted type of thing. Exactly. It's like, here we are, let's just make the best of it. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's interesting too, because like the first time we ever heard our, our song, our what he wanted to do with our, our song HGX. Um, we both like our, our stomachs dropped and we just like got real depressed and we like, were like, there's almost like a breakdown. I was like, nobody understands. And we, we were just, uh, you know, sitting there and we both, in, we went to separate rooms of this apartment to cry <laughs> and just, <laughs> we're just thinking and stuff. And then it, it's, like a few hours later, it somehow started playing again, you know, from the computer and uh, we both came out into the hallway and we're like, wait a minute, this, this could work. <laughs> like, and I was like, wait, is this really good? Oh, my gosh. And then, you know, of course, fortunately, that's the song that's landed us yeah. a bunch of spots. You know, so you like he said, you bloom where you're planted. And otherwise, what are we going to do? Just not release music. It's like we're figuring out who we are as a band. That's uh, I don't thing. think we should keep it. Just because we're not entirely happy, I don't think we should keep it to ourselves. And, it's like, and it, it is a process to get to where you, you know, a craft of, you know, to get to where you want the music sounding. To, you know, what, that doesn't sound right. Well, we finally. You have know what I'm saying, though. Yeah, it's like it takes a while to to capture what how you want it, and we haven't done it yet. Um, but. I don't know. There's a, we're very close. We have a new. There's new stuff we're working on that that is, finally, we're finally there. But yeah. uh, the album we just released, "Here's to the Great Unknowns," is basically a bunch of songs that we just from this time period we're talking about of us trying to figure out that we're kind of a struggle to get on board with 100. percent And so basically, we just thought we would never release them. The songs we like. It's songs are production. Great. You know, they're solid, but the production, like you said, sounded a little bit too on that that end of the spectrum. And we just always felt like an indie band. I mean, I was I was always in, in indie indie bands making that kind of music. I make all my demos on GarageBand, <laughs> and I know that's like the probably the worst way to make music, but like. They all had a sound to them that really had a certain magic. And we would take those to producers and they, you know, kind of spin them into these like slick things. And that's what they did. And that's what they did. And they did great. But like we sort of kept wanting that rougher sound to be there. And we, we just didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. But now we have somebody we're working with. And the reason that's kind of a prelude, this new album, we don't like to call it a demo. We like to call it a prelude because. Debut, you mean. Uh, what would I say? A demo. Demo. Art. We don't like to call it a debut album. We like to call it a prelude because it's we have a whole new album ready. Another album, like 
almost ready to put out. So, so it's a it's a prelude in the sense of like it is the songs of us figuring out who we are and how and navigating out of how we're going to get the sound we want and um, and the productions aren't are it's not a knock on the producers. Producers it's, are it's amazing. Like they're they're great and, and talented and and it's good for for what it is. It's just like what it is isn't my favorite thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, it's weird. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of describing like a very strange situation because it's almost sounding like you're not even a huge fan of your own music. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that way? I'm a huge fan of our songs. I'm becoming a, a huge fan of the music too. With these new things, we're, we're really, like, mm-hmm. loving it. We're like, this is, like, I could cry. This sounds exactly like what I – it's even better. Like, this producer really just kind of – it just t- turned out that he kind of – his tendencies were, like, what we would do. He kind of does something before we even say it. Like, he's just – we're on with him. You know what I mean? So these songs are coming back for the next album. Just – we love them. But I think, really, if you ask any artist, you know, do you love your work? Do you listen to your – do you love – it's like they're not going to – it's really not up to us to love our work. Like, we we're being inspired from – wherever that comes from. And I think our job as an artist is to be a channel to that and put it out. So if we don't put it out, that means we're not really doing that part of our job. We're getting in the way saying that's what, we have an opinion on it. We don't like it. So we're not going to put it out. And that's not really that's our what, business. And so that's why we decided to put them out because they're just like, this is just how, how it was supposed to be. And it's, it's, uh, they're, they're well crafted and it's not up to us if, you know, to decide it's, and it's going to do the songs will do their job, you know, regardless of what they sound like, you know, there was this book called radio free album youth. That's a Philip K. Dick precursor to his later work called Vallis. It's real far out stuff, but he had this idea that he would put an encoded song out there. He was like a, an engineer at a, at a record studio and, um, he would encrypt it with like information. This is all during like cold war kind of stuff. And he would encrypt it with this information and put it out there and it would somehow save the world. And, um, then the idea got nixed by the, the radio station, but somehow it got played anyway. And he knew it was too late. Nobody could stop that. It already happened. See what I'm saying? So it's like the, the songs have a job and they're going to do that job whether we like how they sound or not. You know, they've, they're going to reach whoever they're meant to reach. They have a purpose. So I'm curious if you guys change up the sound then when you're playing live as much as you can or do you try and keep it somewhat close so that your fans who have heard it, um, heard it from the album mm-hmm. or heard some of your demos that you've dropped, uh, do, you, do you keep it somewhat close to appease them or yeah. do you just do whatever you want? We keep it somewhat close. I mean, it's it's weird too because I also think the songs are fun. Like and, even though they're yeah. not exactly what we wanted, I I can enjoy them and I like and, to play them. And live, it uh, it just n- naturally seems to take on a rougher sound. Too. It sounds grittier when we play live anyway. Mm. So even if we you know try to incorporate all those like pop elements like it's still we're still a rock band on stage there's no denying that we don't we're not up there like selena gomez or something okay like it comes across as a rock band but that has been the issue i think for us so far is with the sound of the music it's it's too pop sounding for people who like indie music or alternative music and it's a little too weird for people who like pop music (laughs) And so, but people seem to know that there's something going on with it, you know, 
but it's like it just I just don't we haven't we're just now like we were talking about just now starting to hit the sweet spot mm-hmm. you know it takes time to to get to where you're trying to go you know <laughs> let's go back to one of those that you guys already brought up hgx first big song that really mm-hmm. got out there as yes you are what was the whole what was your original idea behind it and what did it end up being after the production and all that stuff that's that's a great that's a great one to listen to the demo to which i think is included in the um deluxe deluxe version of our album which is available only on our website you can buy it from us either on hard copy or download Mm -hmm. and you actually get all 12 songs from here's to the great unknowns but you also get 12 demos so you get to hear like the first versions of the songs and um, how we were envisioning how we Mm -hmm. but that's one that's almost identical it's kind of weird besides the fact that it started H-X. sounding. Yeah. It's the, I mean, the song is like exactly, mm-hmm. you know, I, I disagree. You completely. disagree. <laughs> well, I mean like all the hooks are there, like oh, yeah, all yeah. the same parts. Well, yeah, within, the song is know. there, but it's like the production. We, we were thinking a much more like kind of tribal, tribal, like, yeah. yeah. Mm. But the cool thing, but you know, but he made it kind of a, what it, what it Whatever is. It is. The cool <laughs> thing about that is that was one of our first songs we ever wrote together. And, um, he, he had been asking me who my favorite artists were. And I told him Timbaland was like my, one of my just favorite, like ideal people to work with. So he basically wrote what he thought sounded like a Timbaland Mm. beat and like a Timbaland song. And of course, like when you try to do something like that through your own filter, that's not how it sounded to me when I heard it, but I was like, this is awesome. You know what I mean? So that's a fun exercise that we do sometimes. Like he's been listening to Lana Del Rey recently, just like, how would I write a song that sounded like that. And then mm. the thing is, is like, it never will sound like that. It will never turn out sounding like that, but it'll sound like what Jared. Yeah. It just is, comes through you. Yeah. Uh, it gets filtered through you and becomes its own thing, but it's a great way to write. It's like, try to write for another voice. And I, everybody, a lot most all right. Uh, songwriters do it. I'm sure. But like one of the famous, I just heard a story about McCartney, Paul McCartney. Uh, he would just, he he read in a paper that the someone said the loudest nastiest rock band ever talking about the who and he's like mm, i want to write a loud nasty and so he was just trying to be the who and wrote helter skelter you know <laughs> so that's a great way to write <laughs> all right let's check it out this is hgx from yes you are Do whatever we are into Put your hands upon my body 
Kiana, you played with Tilly in the Wall and was kind of, you were kind of in this big world touring band. What was it like to stop that and to start over with something that's completely fresh and brand new? Um, well, I can say this now because it's, you know, 10 years ago that that happened where Tilly was, like you said, we were touring eight months out of the year. We were um, going overseas three times a year and it just it just wore everybody down after doing that for about three years straight with adding mm -hmm. in the you know the world touring and um two of the band members started you know having their family and it just seemed like the right time to take a break and i thought and our manager chili's manager we thought we would do like i would do a solo project because i wasn't starting a family yet and i still wanted to be busy and um so we started working on that and just every just just didn't work out like I got to pick handpick my favorite producer in the whole world who I'm friends with now and so grateful I went to Sweden to work with this guy and just nothing worked out it just didn't mm. feel right you told me you just realized oh my gosh I have nothing to say I have no idea what I'm doing <laughs> I have no idea what I'm saying with when you have a band like Tilly that has five writers and you guys are just like whatever I mean not saying it wasn't serious like we took our work seriously but like you know we just uh, had this energy that would just create is just like combustion, you know, center that would just create stuff, you know? So I just was like, okay, I'll just do that without them. And then it's like not quite the same. And also when you have five voices, you kind of don't have to take um, ownership of what you're saying. You're kind of like, we're all saying, we're all saying this. And, you know, so I just realized like, and long story short, I mean, I fell into like my first bout of depression. I had, um, just started, you know, came out of that just like having an epiphany about, you know, like a soul searching kind of thing that I needed to do and, and just kind of kept having these like almost like religious experiences that really shook me to the core and changed who I am as a person and um, started studying every kind of esoteric thing that you can imagine and just in search of the truth. Like I think that's what artists are supposed to be saying. It's like, we're supposed to be saying the truth. And I just didn't, I didn't know what that was before. My life had just, I'd stumbled into this fun band. We stumbled into a record contract. We had the booking agent, the publicist. We had, it was all just part of the deal. Not even hard to get, just fell into our laps. And I had fun for like a decade. And like, after that, I'm like, wait, that doesn't just happen like yeah, that, to everybody. That's what I think the funniest part is. It's like, um, I mean, I don't know how long it was. You probably played around town for like a few months and then Connor Oberst, you know, did what he did. And, uh, he was like on the cover of Spin Magazine. Who they were friends know? with, who they were just had kind of grown up with and were friends with. And then he just signed them immediately and took them on tour and just immediately they had a huge following he's just, like how would you guys like to be the first band on my brand new label we're like uh first of all like he said i mean i've known him since he was like a younger i don't want to say a child because he wasn't a child <laughs> but like you know he asked you that it just like his when he was just red hot yeah he was you the, know and yeah. the whole scene had blown up in omaha you know the faint cursive they every all these bands are just blowing up and and it's still people talk about the omaha scene like there's an la thing going on right now mm -hmm. um and they all are basically playing off the omaha sound and they'll admit it and they they like love it and actually some of like one of our 
Tilly's uh, keyboard player is playing with like Phoebe Bridgers mm. and like all these guys just like you can tell they just love that era. And I don't blame them. But there was a real like palpable sound happening. There was something happening there. And it just sort of happened to be that was all of our friends. It's a small city. You know, the, the group is very tight knit. The music community, like, you know, everybody, you've known them for your like forever. And um, these are just your friends. And so we all came out and supported each other so much. And like our first show, we played this like little dive bar and it was just packed. And there was just so many people like the guy from Spoon was there, like because he was just in town. Like it was just that was like normal for us. It was such a hotbed that people were mm-hmm. coming a lot to of people, Omaha yeah, a lot of to people record. Were... Rilo Kylie recorded there. They become really good friends of ours. We toured with them for like forever for like five years straight of Montreal same and these just you know became our friends even before we were anybody and then you know Connor asks us to be on his label and it's like oh I bet that won't give any get any press coverage you know the fact that this indie wonderkind is like putting out his own label and here's the first band and so we just popped off and just immediately you know you're working with you know, one of the best indie producers in the world, uh, Mike Mogus. And it comes as a full package. Omaha is just like this group of people and they're all just so insanely talented. It's like so, so it's, it was funny to me in a kind of dark way when we started to try to get things going. It was funny what? watching her <laughs> go into the studio with some of the people we were working with and just watching her slowly realize that not everyone is Mike Mogus. Well, nobody's Mike Mogus. She's like, <laughs> why? She's she's like, I don't understand. What, just play the, just, you know, play the piano part. How, how about you do a guitar solo here? And, and guys are like, uh, I can't play guitar. I can <laughs> like, play some keyboard, but like, basically we just got to work with the best people in the world just right off the bat. And we're so blessed to have that. And yeah, it's a lot. It's a, those are big shoes to fill to like, when you go to like, try it without all that. She just thought that's how it was. Like I did not know, but yeah, I, it, that switchover was, um, definitely like that, that happens, you know, where you think, you know what you are, you think that's who you are. Like I had, bright like lavender silver hair I looked like rainbow bright I I had this whole thing you know that I that that's what I thought I was and I didn't have any reason to not think that's who I was that's who I'd been and um but when that stopped and then I had to do my own thing and find my own voice and figure out my own like what the truth was I realized that it was like that whole you know typical like ego death thing where you just realize like that's not who I am who am I if that's not who I am you know some scary thoughts and questions pop up that force you to kind of ask yourself big questions and and find find those answers as hard as you can and so while I'm doing that and you know this things keep not working out with uh, my solo thing uh, I had moved to Kansas City was hoping to like discover you know working with some new people I worked with uh, some great people here really fun stuff started happening but again it just kept not working out for whatever it's like the universe was just like nope Hmm. You, that's not what you're going to do. And then one day this guy pops in on one of my friend's Facebook comments, says something totally crazy. Like something well, the about, post was pretty far out too. Uh, it's something about Jesus being an alien. Let's just stop there. <laughs> and if that wasn't weird enough, whatever he said was so weird. It probably just made people go, mm? and it made me go. Mm? And I went, that guy, like I need to, ask him a question you know so we just we kind of started chatting and really we just chatted about that stuff we didn't even talk about music for probably four or five months we just were yeah and 
uh, and I was, you know, completely like alone, like no, not part of any scene. Uh, not, no one knew who I was or, but I was a, a red hot fire of ambition and I pretended that I didn't know she was even in music. The whole time we were talking, <laughs> the whole time we were talking about all She's these things, the these plan. important things. This is smooth. I was just like, yeah, this is a really smooth way in. You know, I was just like, we're gonna. I was like, this is this is my ticket. <laughs> but it, no, no. But uh, how do you make that sound nicer than it is? It's not. No, no. I mean, everything is real. It's preordained. But really. I. I uh, and it, well, I wasn't like that, but I was thinking, this is interesting. Here's someone who's like legitimately done some things, and it's my first like person I've ever been friends with who's, who has. Was that intimidating at all? That you had known her music and her experience and being in this, and you're you weren't a part of a scene, like you said. Mm -hmm. So was it intimidating? Like especially when you did finally start talking about music. Well. Um, no, because I had a few aces up my sleeve. Uh, <laughs> no, we, uh, we, uh, well, first of all, he had, it wasn't, once we started see. talking about music, he had two albums worth of stuff that he'd made in his basement that sounded like not quite like they were demos. Like, so they, they were amazing. I was like, what, who are you? Like on top of like us connecting, like, just the two weirdest people. That's why world. it wasn't intimidating, but it was because we connected so big uh, apart from music. On a higher level. We, we had already, mm -hmm. yeah. Connected. Yeah, it was already, like, the bond was just, like, un, like, there was, n I had never been able to talk to somebody about some things that, like, were on my mind, like, just too far. I mean, I already mentioned Phil Philip K. Dick's my favorite author. I mean, you can't really find a weirder author, you know. Uh, so th my mind was already, that's where I lived. My daily life was just on the farthest outreach of, you know, what I thought consciousness was, what I thought the world, what are we living in, what is this place, you know. It's not the kind of talk you have with, like, everybody, you know. So he he immediately went there with me. And so we just bonded over the fact that, like, we might be the only two people that we've ever met each other that we can talk to like that. Yeah, we definitely brought in, she definitely had some things I knew about some things I needed to learn and, and I had some things she needed to learn and kind of completed the circle. Yeah. And it's been, um, it, it, it's been, you know, what, five, six, six years or something. And so, I mean, as far as the band and stuff goes, it's like, we've been made to, We've been made to work and start from ground zero. Mm. Uh, yeah, as much as we, it, it's been us. like as much as ground zero it could possibly be, other than the fact that some people are kind of interested in what she's up to. You know what I mean from the from the past. But besides that, it's like <laughs> no no one's handing out anything. Or it's been like, and I'm I'm glad. It's obviously a total blessing now. Because it's like if we would have just got handed something, who knows what crazy directions or we would have gone or where we would have ended up. But now we just we know we've learned uh, we've learned our song well before we start singing. You know, mm -hmm. there's a certain <laughs> we've learned that there's a certain kind of discipline and a certain kind of mindset and certain rules that you have to follow. You know, to get to where you want to go. 
And if you don't do those, like it typically doesn't turn out that great for you. Even if you make it there, it might not work out that great for you. And like I said, we don't, we don't want to burn out like some wonderful legendary artists do, you know, and that's, that's such a, such a sad, like cycle that you see. It's like these people are just so incredible. They could have gone on and on and just made so much work. They didn't, they couldn't handle it. They couldn't make it. They had their demons. They couldn't wrestle them. And so like, we've just basically been like put through the ringer. We've been through the fire. We've been through the flood. We've been through, we have been ripped down to shreds. Like this is all the last six years. It's like, that's what the music is. It's like, we have to put it out because it's somehow it tells our story and it's, mm. and it's, it's important. It's important part, you know? And now we feel like we've been made solid. Like we can, now we can be given things like, okay, Here's the right producer. Like, that's how we operate, too. Like, we, we just know these things are going to happen for us, mm. you know. We, and that's, I think, one reason why you probably weren't intimidated to talk to me. We do a lot on, you know, self-improvement um, and, and things that make you nervous. Like, you know, going on live TV makes you nervous. It makes anybody nervous. I don't care how many times you've done it. The more you do it, the less, I guess, intimidating it is. But I don't know. We're just supposed to do things that make you scared. And, uh, I think if you don't do that, you really regret it, you know? And also it's like part of what we're doing, you know? Mm -hmm. So we've been finally made pretty sturdy and steady and we're like ready. I mean, you guys have said that, I mean, you've just written so many songs together as a duo. Um, I, I remember hearing that, you know, you've, sometimes it's, I can't remember what you called them in, in one interview that I heard, but mm -hmm you have like this little nugget that was just left over and then mm -hmm. the other one comes and picks it up and finishes the song. Mm -hmm. Are you guys just constantly writing just all the time? And then you're just passing it back and forth until you're like, Oh, I think we actually have the final product here. Yeah, That's it, the way it's been in the past. But it comes, well, it kind of comes in big spurts, but when mm. I, I, when I'm, I've gotten kind of attuned to like, when things are coming and so like when it's when it's coming i'm i am writing constantly like and he's up in the middle of the night he's up at 6 a.m just get to capture day. you know because it's like that kind of inspiration doesn't it's not a like a, a permanent thing or something so it's like when it comes and i've learned how to just you know milk it for all it's worth and then if he gets to a place where he's like i think you should do the bridge on this like see what you can do load it into your system which means i'll record a demo of it i'll have him i'll be like record to a click he'll record the guitar part he'll do like a vocal pass of the melody if he has a melody or lyrics and then i'll just sit there where the empty space is and see what i come up with and that took, that's how we made most of our songs you know yeah pretty much all of them and then um yeah, and then, we, and then with lyrics, it's fun too because he's usually on about something, and we'll talk about that, like what he's what he's on about, and then he'll throw it to me, and I don't necessarily have to do what he's doing. I don't necessarily have to be saying what he's saying. It doesn't really matter. And again, it's kind of like it's going to come to me. I believe it, so I know it. I already know it. So when the words come, and I'm like, I don't know what that means. It doesn't matter. It's going to end up meaning exactly what it's supposed to mean. It's the cut. It's the what is it? The cut and the what's his name cut up thing. the cut up theory that well yeah there's like real interesting things about you know William Burroughs mm -hmm. talking about his cut up theory like uh, but the most interesting thing I've ever heard about it I think he said it uh, 
was when you cut into the present, you can predict the future. Yeah. Mm. So that's what we're doing um, typically, and I think that's why this this duo like. It, we can't really involve anyone else in like the the real core of our songwriting because I don't know anybody else who believes like we do about that well, kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, that we like, could, it would just, we would have to have the f- sort of final, final decision say. of whether it was used or not. Right. You know what I mean? But you're talking like, you know, he's writing, he's researching other things, old things, uh, taking from whatever, taking from the air, from a sign, on the street, you know, um, just again, believing that it's coming from somewhere and this information is going to, in the present, it's going to affect the future somehow in a way we really, we can speculate on. We have a lot of theories about how it's going to affect the future, but, um, yeah, we don't really know. But none we're going to say. No way. (laughs) No way. Cut up is done by taking a finished product cutting in at pieces, and then rearranging the pieces to make something brand new. Like Jared said, William Burroughs cites T.S. Eliot's 1922 poem, The Wasteland, which used newspaper clippings as an early example of what he made popular. What's interesting is more artists do this than I really previously thought. David Bowie used to use it for some of his lyrics, and Tom York used a similar method in Radiohead's 2000 album Kid A. It makes you think about the lyrics people learn and sing to themselves. So, listen a little closer. What do you think was inspired? What do you think is random? This is Get Me by Yes You Are.
If you're enjoying this episode of the Crazeology Podcast, make sure to click subscribe to keep up with new episodes. You can listen to a conversation about classic country music with the Kansas City cowboy Dusty Rust, listen to folk music by Brooke Blanche and Kelly Hunt, or hear my conversation with strange music artist Mackenzie Nicole. Now, let's get back to my conversation with Kiana Allerin and Jared White from the band Yes You Are. I wanted to talk to you about Get Me, because it's kind of this funky jazz. It kind of has like some sounds in there that like really kind of reminded me of that 80s rock sound that was in there. How intentional was that from your guys' angle and how much of that was the producer? Producer, 100%. Oh, man, that was all Greg. He is so awesome to work with. He's like the best vocal producer. I actually met him because I did a song with Tiesto, you know, the artist Tiesto, he's a, like a huge DJ. Know, it's EDM. It used to be DJ Tiesto, but now it's just Tiesto. But um, he loves indie music. He loves all kinds of music. And he really wanted to do an album where he each song featured a different, like cool indie person. So I got asked to, to co-write a song with him, which I did over the internet. And um, we wrote the song together and then he sent me to LA to record with this guy. And he had, this guy had worked with like Miley Cyrus and Gwen mm. Stefani and Goo Goo Dolls. I mean, he's got like, you know, he's got a Grammy. Produced two Kiss albums. Oh, wow. Yeah. No doubt. Lots of no doubt stuff. Lots of awesome 90s stuff. Like, mm-hmm. was it Cheryl Crow or somebody? Uh, I don't he worked in He just did a lot of <laughs> awesome stuff. And it specifically seemed to kind of be geared towards female vocals. And when I worked with him, I literally, he got me to do things I didn't know I could do. And that's what I think a great artist does, a great producer. So he, um, he's got a very just great... Uh, mind pop just pop sensibility so we we actually wrote that song together and he sent me off to write some lyrics and uh it started with he sent um a track he had made for gwen stefani and uh it started there and it sounded a lot different uh oh yeah it sounded completely the the chorus was the same like the chorus was a lot of the same but like they like really worked on it a lot and finally came to that funk yeah that sound sound. you're talking about was not involved whatsoever like in the in the first iteration of that song so it was like really fun to see that turn into what it did and it was it was i think it's just fun our guitar player jacob is he's just such a ham and he just like (laughs) that's jacob's guitar solo that he he played in kansas Mm -hmm. yeah he sent it because we were in la working on that song Mm -hmm. and we were like jacob we need a a guitar solo for this part you know he sends that back and we're like nervous because we don't know what he's going to do. Jacob's a wild card. I just mean that in the best way. <laughs> Greg but Greg was it. like, yes, this is perfect. And I was like so proud in that moment of, of Jacob. Um, Jacob's nickname is literally Jake Stadium because he only wants to be in a band big enough to play a stadium. Yeah. So we have to kind of make that dream come true for him. Yeah, <laughs> That's where he's most comfortable. Really, he's like one of those people who doesn't get nervous. He's like, where do I stand? Like, let me rip. You and, know? And, oh, man. It's funny because quick story, him and I, Jake and I were – we're in, we had like a band uh, a, a long time ago, and it was still this stadium thing. We, Jake Stadium, we called him. And we lit this band, we only played stadiums. Uh, like we played at like the, an empty can, KU Memorial Football Stadium, you know? And then we played like at Missouri Western, but that was our conceit. It's like we would only play stadiums. <laughs> it was a bit of a concept. So we played, we played to so many like stadiums with like five people in it and stuff. How did, how did they, how did you get these booked? Because I mean, like it's hard enough sometimes mm-hmm. to get a show at 
a record bar. Yeah. But you're in, you got a stadium. Like you convinced them to let you go. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, um, it was, okay. So the memorial, the, the KU one, we saw that there was a, um, like an all night, um, walkathon type thing. Mm. And so that is okay. We can, we can get into that stadium. Mm -hmm. Talk our way into that one. And, uh, the the one in St. Joe was actually uh, some uh, promoter was doing a thing there. Um, like a festival or something. Yeah. And, it, <laughs> and like there was barely anyone there. And like he, he took a huge bath yeah. on it, the poor yeah. guy. But like it was raining. And oh. in this, and uh, he had some connections to like the military, this guy. And like the National Guard came. Like it was supposed – they were supposed to have some big recruiting – that was going to be part of it. Like, and the national guard came. Um, okay. So there's like maybe like 10 people total sitting in the, in the middle of the bleachers on the, in this football stadium. And then the national guard guys came in like probably 40 of them in uniform, in uh camo uniforms and came in like, walking uniform like not not marching but very together and they went up and they all just sat in the top two rows right and then about i would say 10 minutes later all of them at the same time (laughs) just stood up and walked out and left and didn't come back so some like you know some uh they weren't having it. They're, they're, whoever it is, their leader, sergeant, captain guy was like, like, uh, you guys just don't want to stay here. Let's go, you know. And no, he probably just like on the count of three. We're yeah, up and we're done. Leaving. We're not doing this. <laughs> that, that was funny. Uh, so then um, what are the stadiums? We got really off track from getting anyway, but sorry, sorry. But Jacob, <laughs> that's Jacob's whole thing. I think that's very funny, and I'm glad you guys only played stadiums. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, get me. He sent me off to write <laughs> lyrics to this song, and I came back with those lyrics, and I think it somehow inspired this whole other version of the song. And so when we came back, and he had like put some funk stuff in there, we we're like, oh, okay, that's yeah. fun, you know. But yeah, again, it's like and of course I never we hated it first yeah, time we heard it. We hated it. it. <laughs> just, just he knows that. Mortified, but then you know, grew. Goes on, <laughs> and that happens. It just happens. We actually know that that happens now. So when we hate something, we're like, give it two days. Okay, cool. And we won't talk about it. And both of us will just listen to it separately. And we come back and reconvene. And if it's like, it's not going to work, then then we know. But our initial reaction to some of these is like, just so funny. I love HGX now. I think it's exactly how it needed to sound. But like, truly, it spun us into like a, a bad place. And we heard it. We were just like, what? It sounded like techno music to me. I just didn't understand like why it went that direction. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it turned out. It was exactly how it needed to sound. But get me some more straight up, like the the lyrics match the music. Yeah, it's fun. Whereas if you listen to the lyrics of HGX, it's like, what in, what are they talking about? <laughs> you know, it's right. like, uh, I mean, it's got the catchy, we do it because it feels right chorus, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's it, the lyrics are a little uh, more experimental than the production mm-hmm. is. I will Which say, that, get me though, there are some secrets still embedded in those words. Every, every song will so, have that. But uh, It might just sound very straightforward, but there's a lot of trickery going on in there. Yeah. That's the most fun part of writing. Like what kind of 
I mean, just secrets is in like metaphors about your own life or like secrets is in. No, 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 no. Never about our own life. Like we don't write about our own life at all. Really? Yeah. Not at all. We write about somebody else's life. Like, yeah. No one would care if it was about our own life. Yeah. It's too boring. Like nobody wants to hear about that. (laughs) No, no, I mean, it's actually not boring at all, but. That's, to cover, I know, but that's a cute, cute thing to say. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's not boring, I should it, say. It's uh, no one. No one would really care if if it was about us. I think everybody has their own reason for writing. And ours just doesn't happen to be that because I, you know, there's a lot of artists that write about their life and people connect with it. And that's great for them. But, yeah, we don't write about ourselves at all. So the wordplay is like there's lots of different things you could talk about. Wordplay is just one of those things in an artist's tool bag, and Yes You Are finds a lot of different ways to incorporate that in their music. I had to leave to meet a friend Feels like I'm back I don't know where I've been
straight in the sun. Let's talk about the demo version of this one, though. What does the significance does the song title have to the song itself? And what's the how did that song basically come together? I think that's when I started. She started with that that flute riff thing that she made on the computer. So I think that whole like that what is it like creativity comes out of necessity kind of thing like I'm not a trained musician I don't know how to do much so I had to like figure out how to make stuff on GarageBand so a lot of the stuff that I would make would be like I'd be using my own voice because I didn't know how to play an instrument Mm. so I would kind of like cut and chop it and make weird things and you know I would cut weird loops together and so that song and typically how we write is like it originates with one or the other of us like it's never like we just don't sit down and write together I don't know that's just not how we do it so this one originated that way and um I just had a lot of fun making that kind of landscape happen at the beginning. And then um, one way that we write is that Jared Jared compiles lines and um, phrases and words and they all bits. just little bits of, of, mm-hmm. of words that are going to end up as lyrics, maybe. And so what he'll do is he'll he'll send me that as a note. And it's just this long, you know, it's coming from various places. Right. So to me, it just, you know. I don't have to know what it's about. So that's a really fun example of the cut the cut method. Because I'll sit there and I'll say, I'm going to sing this one and I'll create a melody with all these different parts and it could be from like, you know, and I could open another document and, and then I put a song together and then it comes out as that song. See what I'm saying? And it's like, how do I know what that's about? You know what I mean? And But it starts to, it, it also starts to kind of show you a little bit. So I start to have an idea of what it's about to me. Like I said, he can pass me a song and say, this is what I'm on about. But then I don't, I can just throw that out the window and say, well, I'm going to say this. And it still kind of comes together. So, but as we're thinking about, uh, secret sun or secret, uh, straight into the sun, I, uh, Here's here's one of the reasons why maybe we're a little reluctant to be enthusiastic about the album Here's to the Great Unknowns is because uh, as we're learning who we are and stuff, we didn't quite understand that the songs weren't supposed to be about us yet. We do now, but I think one of the reasons we're, besides production is that we're kind of like, eh, it's because actually some of these songs not get me at all, but like something like Straight Into the Sun – it's a little ones. too much about. It's not about our lives. It's like us. <laughs> it's about us, like trying to just having an outlet to talk about what we were going through. Which, like, I'm sure you're gathering was extreme. It was extreme odyssey that we were going through together. Which I thank God every day because, like, I mean, there were days. You know, I was. I just felt like if I didn't have him, like some of these epiphanies I was having. I mean, it's like. I mean, you'd have to like, I had to read the definition of kind of what those things meant because I didn't understand what was happening to me. It was so crazy. I mean, just like shaking, like all the explosions of light, like just like crazy, crazy, crazy things, crazy to me. You know, I'm not like, there's nothing special about me, nothing like that, but this was happening to me and I didn't understand it. So like I could, you know, bounce ideas off of him and like we were really there for each other through a lot of really crazy moments and rocky times and uh, we were like writing about that, not like, oh, I want to write about my sadness or anything. It was just kind of like, what is happening to us? Let's try and like talk about it like as therapy even. So, But the idea is as we go on, like you won't be able to find any trace of us anymore in any of the songs we have left the building 
That's it for today's episode of Crazeology. Today's episode was produced by myself, Kendall Swank, with production assistance and editing done by Mike Simpson and production assistance from Stephen Trammell. Check out the other podcast from Fox 4 Kansas City at fox4kc.com. Until next time, this is Straight into the Sun by Yes You Are.